0: Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Here with me, as always, is Brian Gottlieb. And we have some Zendikar Rising standard to talk about. It It is out. It has dropped. We have been building decks nonstop. And unfortunately, we might have hit a brick wall. Do you think that's the case?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, day one, it feels <laughs> like we have come up against it. If you follow me on Twitter, you certainly have seen me going off a little bit. I mean, from a deck building perspective, the set was awesome. I had so many, so many ideas, so many of them looking very promising, strong, interesting, uh, really exploring all the themes of this set and previous sets, just covering the entire map of possibilities. And then we started playing and I opened up Scryfall and I scrolled through all the decks I had built during this time period. And I was like, yeah, 95% of these are completely invalidated and there's no way you can possibly do this.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of had this same thing happen where uh, I watched a lot of the streamer showcase and was paying attention to like the decks that people were posting and writing about and stuff like that. And then when Arena, you know, finally dropped without issues and I was able to play.
1: What a battle I, that was.
0: Yeah, that was not great either, but whatever. We we got there. We got there. I I started with some non-ramp decks and was like, you know, play a couple games. Okay, this maybe has promise. And then I built a a very rough version of like a Lotus Cobra Omnath Genesis Ultimatum deck. And I went from like zero to plat one without losing. I think I lost once, you know, and it's just like, oh, this is gross. Not again.
1: Yeah, not again was kind of what was going through my head. So when we were doing the build-up to the release of this set, and, and basically the the first tweet I made after watching Games of Magic be played in New Standard, and it started, I watched some Versus Live. Corey was playing the Red Green Landfall deck that I was working on against Ross playing like Bant Omnathy type stuff. And both Lotus Cobra decks. And within about 10 minutes, it was super clear to me that if your deck couldn't kill a Lotus Cobra, it was not playable. There is no possible way you could ever think about bringing it forth in this standard because the card is just capable of absolutely absurd things. So I'm cool with that. That's fine. I, I actually tweeted. I thought that was a beneficial thing for the format because now you have clear points of engagement. You're supposed to challenge Lotus Cobra. And then once you challenge Lotus Cobra, you can move forward with your plan. The problem is also everything else surrounding Lotus Cobra, though, and it's it's not as simple as just containing that, because if you don't contain Lotus Cobra, you lose on the spot, and if you dedicate too many resources to containing Lotus Cobra, you lose two turns later. So you kind of got to pick your poison.
0: Lotus Cobra versus Grow Spiral or Uro is definitely a pro of the format, right? We, we agree there. I think but- so. But- But when your opponent plays a Cobra and you're like, oh, well, I probably have to take the turn off to kill that. And then they play like a Dryad of the Elysian Grove and make another land drop. And you're like,
1: hmm,
0: I'm getting like a little bit further behind now. And then you play some three drop and then they escape to the wilds and just kind of like go off a little bit. It's like, oh, all right. Like, I don't think anything that I do really matters from here. And that's sort of the problem where if you killed Cobra and then – your your problems were solved. That'd be great, but that's not really the world we live in. I mean, granted, a lot of people are building their decks in such a way where if their cobra gets killed, they are very slow and probably aren't going to be able to do anything, right?
1: Yeah, you just don't uh, so, have to do that at all.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm not I'm not claiming like the the list that we're playing is the best or that like Dried of the Elysian Grove is absolutely 100%, 100% going to be in the best version of the deck or whatever, but it's just like one of those sequences that sort of like adds to the problem and compounds things, and it, it makes life really difficult for anyone out there trying to do something fair. Well, before we get too deep into discussing this deck, I figure I should read out the deck list just so people have an idea of what I'm talking about. Uh, so this is uh, ramp deck that Brian and I are pretty close. We're, we're a few cards off at this point, but uh, four Lotus Cobra, four Tangled Florahedron, four Dryad of the Elysian Grove, three Rada Heart of Keld, four Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath, four Omnath, four Escape to the Wilds, four Genesis Ultimatum, two Glasspool Mimic, one Balaged Recovery, two Spike Field Hazard, Four Shatter Skull Smashing, four Turn Timber Symbiosis, and then I believe 18 land with uh no triumphs. And then uh, my sideboard is Mystical Dispute, Elder Gargaroth, Red Cat Melee, Spike Field Hazard, and Veliketa Exploration, which might be bad and should maybe be Jace.
1: I'm mostly the same. I have Terror of the Peaks, one less Uro, one less Rada, but it's close It's close enough that I wouldn't worry about the differences between our lists. We agree on the fundamentals.
0: So I, I have a Thassa's Oracle currently to kill with, but it might be worse than Terror. Oh, I was playing really? I was playing with I was playing with Terror most of the time, but I was just drawing my deck anyway. And there were situations where just having an Oracle would kill them on the spot and I wouldn't have to juggle with like oh I cast all my creatures and then terror's at the bottom or whatever. But okay. terror terror is obviously a better card just like in a vacuum, you know.
1: Yeah, a little bit better in those resource-like games, but I like where your head's at. So the, the thing that kept coming up for me is that you can spend a one-for-one removal spell on Lotus Cobra, and you can one-for-one answer other things the deck might do. And I the closest I was able to come keeping up with these kind of bigger things was with a, a Demir deck that I had posted at some point. It was like a Seagate, uh, Village Rights combination, and Loris and Arcfiend's Vessel, and then I actually leaned on Unsubstantiate, as my interactive spell, because I thought I needed a way to both combine with Seagate to reclaim some tempo against aggressive decks and then still like stop my opponent from doing what they were doing and loop acquisitions experts and get lots of card advantage that way. And all of this was working. Like it was, it was good. Like I was pinching key spells. I was even able to contain Uro via agonizing remorse. So they weren't able to get that snowball through my removal spells and all that happens and everything feels good. And then my opponent casts Escape to the Wilds and draws five. And not only draws five, but draws five that I can't even interact with. Like they're put aside and I can't reach them. And then that five leads to Genesis Ultimatum. And now there's five new cards entering the battlefield and out of nowhere, like they were resource empty. And within two turns, they're just in an unbeatable position again. And so some of that is like close the game. And that's where if we're going to find success doing quote-unquote fair things against these decks, the windows have to get a lot smaller. You have to find ways to close the game. But at the same time, you, you can't realistically invest a removal spell into your opponent's deck when their response to that is Uro, draw at least one card, but probably over the course of the game, three or four, that will be worth, plus acceleration. Then Omnath, not only draw a card immediately, but also gain four life. So combine that with Uro, now over the course of these games that you're just doing the thing you want to do anyway, I'm telling you I'm gaining like 30 passive life in these games without trying to gain life. That is not the focus of what I'm trying to accomplish. It just happens. It's there for free. And it's also simultaneously generating card advantage and ramping to absolutely preposterous amounts of mana. And we somehow failed to mention that Omnath is a four mana spell that doubles your mana on the next turn, which has yeah. been like the thing we hated throughout all of this. And I don't know, maybe I thought it would be harder to get the payoff on the Omnath mana or
0: it is, it is if you're playing fair, right? But like once once you start building your deck around it, and you know, you have Dry to the Elysian Groves, you have Escape to the Wilds, all, all of these things that enable you to make extra land drops, then. I don't know, man. The the way the decks play out is like kind of funny, right? Because you use the first Uro or Omnath as a, as a mana boost into a a big spell or a bunch of spells. And then on like your combo turns, you basically just use Omnath to pay for itself and dome your opponent for four again. Yep. So it's, it's, it's really funny and like pretty messed up once you start putting in a lot of other things that help you make additional land drops. But when, Omnath was previewed. It was like, oh, wow, I really need to, you know, sandbag these Fable passages to get like the second thing. And that's it's just not the way that you have to build your deck.
1: Yep. Very easy to build around Omnath. And you're playing cards that you're pretty happy to be playing anyway to maximize it. So yeah, I mean, I've basically put my deck into play on turn four. And Same. that's not the broken deck that I was excited about last week. <laughs> like that was that deck only puts its deck into play on turn 5 and that got me really hyped. So, yes, the green red landfall deck mostly invalidated at this point. That's fine, whatever, you know, these things come and go. But the fact that the points that I was most excited about it are just completely invalidated against a deck that also has all this passive life gain and like you can't really interact with is a disaster. It honestly feels like a disaster. I I mean, my whole goal for the release of Zendikar Rising was to come back with fresh eyes. I was so excited for the release of this set. It's gone. I have to be frank. I don't want to lie to our listeners. I'm not going to come and pretend like I feel like everything is good and everything is fine. It's the same stuff. And you, ju- you, sh- there shouldn't be standard environments where the things you can do here are plausible. Like go back to the last time Lotus Cobra was present in the format, right? So we're thinking... Uh, Alara block ish. Obviously Zend- it was Zendikar where Lotus Cobra first appeared. But the first big powerful thing you did with Lotus Cobra was to accelerate to sovereigns of what is it? Sovereigns of Alara? Lo-
0: it's called Lost Lost Alara.
1: Lost Alara. And on, then on turn four. On turn four, and then you can get an Aldrazi conscription out of your deck.
0: Or That's I pretty- guess I guess you could turn three it, right? Because you could go like Bird, Cobra, Fetchland, Knight of the Reliquary. Right. And and then sovereigns but most of the time yeah it was like turn four and then you needed an attacking creature yep and then it gave it plus 10 plus 10
1: yes also the sovereigns had to survive into combat so like there, there was a bunch of hurdles and you had already invested a bunch of cards to get to that point and you could play back through it and decks did it, it was a very good deck it probably wasn't the best deck but it, it was an acceptable option the other thing it did after that once we had rotation was accelerate to frost titan inferno titan Those cards wouldn't be playable today. I I just don't think they would matter in the least. So it's less about like, could Lotus Cobra have been an acceptable part of the format? I think so. I mean, it, it has before, but that's not what's happening. It's the issue is what you're ramping into and how powerful these spells are and how there's no place to get a foothold to challenge these decks. There's no real mode of interaction that they can't, account for and it, it feels like like i posted a meme right before we started recording it's this the sad wolverine looking into the photo frame yeah and in, in my meme he's looking at Ethergust. gust which if you told me <laughs> a week ago i would be sad that i didn't have access to ether gust i would have slapped you in the face but i am sad Ethergust gust is not here because what are you supposed to do against these decks i don't have answers right now I, I would love to hear if you have any way to attack what is happening thus far in the format
0: Uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna summarize real quick. So Lotus Cobra doesn't have fetch lands. I mean, you have fabled passage on, on later turns, right? Right. Uh, So it's not as explosive early, but everyone else, like when Cobra was first around, we also had goblin guide and lightning bolt and a very powerful Mono red deck. Yes. Right. So it doesn't have the same type of competition and, Yeah, just right now, like, the games are going on a little bit longer. You have a little bit more time. Part of that is because of Uro and Omnath just gaining you a bunch of life. Like, your, your ramp should also not buy you time, right? Like, you're paying mana to get more mana later. That should not also give you life because then it kind of, like, takes away the downside of having to pay mana for the acceleration. And then there are things like Escape the Wilds and Dryad, which just allow you to keep going on your combo turns. And the the decks before were like, play a fetch land, like dark ritual into a thing. And now you're just, you know, how much mana does your Lotus Cobra make over the course of a game or a turn?
1: Too much. I, I mean, look, not even like this context, but if you go to the truly broken contest, like back to the red green landfall deck, I had my Lotus Cobras generate hundreds of mana. And yeah. certainly they can do similar things here. Like I have, like I said, put basically my deck into play on turn four. And most of that is on the back of Lotus Cobra continually finding more and more lands.
0: Right. I mean, it, it got to the point where we're playing the uh, clone DFC yep. to to make more Cobras on our combo turns and stuff. So yeah, uh, that that so all of that is kind of, the problem, which means that just killing the Cobra doesn't necessarily slow your opponent down and we have Blood Chief's Thirst and Shock and stuff like that. But like, it's not like we have as good or as lean of a mono red deck as we did back then or like any sort of aggro thing. It's like if, if you spend your turn to killing a Cobra, that is a significant cost to you. As, as any sort of person who's like trying to put aggression on your opponent. Sure. Whereas before it was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll bolt your thing and play another one drop, not a big deal. But we we don't really have that luxury anymore. So Cobra is is definitely way more dangerous. And also, like, in addition to Uro and Omnath just gaining life, like they're also just big bodies on the ground, right? So that's kind of locked up too. I mean, mono green can kind of attack through that stuff, but it still takes a lot of work. And basically I think that you need flyers, like you you need rogues and rogues actually has, you know, removal and counterspells disruption mystical dispute is still pretty good because it tags Omnath and ultimatum mm-hmm. and, you know, granted as the ultimatum player, you should probably board those out against someone who's playing mystical dispute. Right. But I mean, it, it's still a fine counterspell against things like escape to the wilds. So I, I think that, the ground is is mostly locked up, and there's not a whole lot that you can do about that. I mean, I've seen the the party decks get some draws that allow them to just kind of like power through it, but I don't. Know, a, a lot of these ramp decks also aren't playing all that much interaction at the moment. I mean, we we kind of shifted our decks a little bit to play like Shatter Skull Smashing and Spike Field Hazard just because of Cobra Mirrors. And other players are playing Bone Crusher Giants and stuff like that. So like now the stage is kind of set. People are realizing that they need to interact and then it makes these party scenarios less likely to happen. So I'm not sure that that's like a great plan going forward. But I do think that Rogues being this sort of like tempo evasion disruption deck is a viable plan.
1: I just have been underwhelmed with the clock coming out of any of the tempo-y, disruptive-y type stuff that you're mentioning. I Carver. think they Yeah, I don't know. I played against some mind carvers and pretty easily invalidated the life they were gaining. Like I I know what you're saying in theory and those decks are going to be harder to build than the vomit my deck into play on turn 4 and turn 5 because you have to find the right balance of threats and removal and answers. So there's certainly space for them to come together. I I just keep thinking about I wish I remember who made the tweet. I I think it was a Japanese player. And I wish I could credit them appropriately, but someone mentioned that in the new era, the best litmus t- test for whether your deck is powerful enough to exist is whether it can mulligan to five and completely shrug it off. And I don't think rogues can. I mean, like, there's no real persistent sources of advantage. I mean, there
0: is is that tweet entirely accurate though? Like, how many how many games are like? With, with with any deck, really, are you just like, oh, mold, mold to five and one, you know, it's like, I, I think that's definitely true for older formats. If You're talking about like historic pioneer, modern, stuff like that. But like for standard, I mean, we're still trying to cast five mana spells, like mulling to five kind of like messes up everyone, you know.
1: I don't agree. I mean, I, I think these decks can absolutely recover from those scenarios. It's not its not that you're fine. You're not happy to Molta 5, but like Molta 5 should be a virtual death sentence. It should be almost impossible to win from that scenario. But like Uro into Omnath is going to win a ton of games on Molta 5. its It's not hard to recover from those scenarios. Whereas if you're, and it's not to say like you think you're going to be doing that. It's just supposed to be a litmus test. Like if I were in this scenario, could I realistically come out of it? And I think there are a few few decks that can say yes to that. But the ones that can are the ones that generally take over the format. And you can go back to old standard too. And I think that applied anything growth spiral into Nissa. Yeah, I, I want them on multi-five. It was no problem. Or Hydroid Crisis Rebuilding, all of the most powerful decks I think check that box over the course of the last year or so of standard and all the decks that came and went sort of failed the test.
0: So I I agree that most of those decks passed that test, but I think that has more to do with just like standard being more powerful than like these decks being fine mulling to five. Like, yeah, obviously you can like mold to five with fires and like, you know, still do stuff there, but it's like, you'd still prefer to have seven cards, right? Absolutely. And And maybe
1: I'm doing a poor job, like expressing the test. I don't, I don't think it's supposed to capture that at all. It's just supposed to be like the baseline of, is this deck powerful enough?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that might be fair versus like actually it playing out in practice.
1: Yes. Correct.
0: Yeah. But I mean, even so like the aggro decks, right? If you're doing uh, party stuff, Yes, I think that you can multiply and win, or like I guess Winota might Noda. be a more a more yep. clear example of this, right? Because yep. if you curve out and do your thing, you're you're golden. And party, I think, is mostly the same way, except in, instead of it being like a two card combo, you know, obviously you need a bunch of different moving pieces. And I think, I think that rogues can win certain matchups, you know. But yeah, it definitely cannot. It's not going to do well against, like, the last, the very last match that I just played was against, like, blue-red spells that had a bunch of removal, right? And granted, I beat them with Agonim's Awakening, because that's, you know, kind of how you draw it up. But, yeah, like, that deck against Ramp, you can go, like, one-drop, two-drop, counter a couple things and, like, beat you down. But, like, against any sort of, like, attrition-based thing, like, yeah, you don't have the power to make up for it. It's not like you're you're playing Obnath right? Right. So, I, I get that... That kind of plays, but I don't know, in a world where like most people are keeping seven, like that that whole thing, the, the heuristic doesn't matter all that much.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a fair criticism of it. It just has rung true for me in most things I've tried to put together, which is why I've been really into that philosophy. Yeah. But it's kind of besides the point. I mean, there, there's no question though, the – Genesis ultimatum deck checks those boxes. Like you can rebuild very easily. And that is why we go back to the point of like, you're not answering this deck on a one for one basis. So what are you doing to actually pull ahead of them?
0: Yeah. So I guess, I guess the problem for me with that deck mulling to five is that it is very resource intensive. So if you are gold fishing, then it it doesn't matter. You know, you can very easily mull to five and like still do your thing. But when you're faced with interaction, that's when it gets a little bit trickier, a little bit more difficult.
1: But what's the interaction?
0: Well, so so say that you have like Cobra Dryad uh, escape. You're pretty light on resources overall. You're banking on your escape to get you there. And, you know, maybe they acquisitions expert you and kill your Cobra. Like in those scenarios, you obviously want more resources, right?
1: Right. Yeah, I guess I'm like certainly slanting things towards the Uro Amnath side of things, right? There's certainly plenty of cards that do not recoup from those scenarios well. But like I said, it should be almost impossible. And I think there's plenty of ways you can put together hands that can do that, which is scary. I mean, it's just a frightening position to be in on the other side of the table.
0: Oh, I think a lot of people would argue, and maybe incorrectly, that Magic is a better game if you can Moldify and still win or like not auto-lose, right? Because... It is it is kind of a feel bad, but I agree with you that being able to mull and just kind of like shrug it off is indicative of there being something wrong.
1: Yeah, it goes back to like the goals being good. Like the goals of double face cards to open up more games, it, it sounds really good. And the goals of the London Mulligan just giving us more games, really, really good. But the actual implementation I think leads to scenarios like this, where it's just a battlecruiser style of magic who can race to their absurdly broken thing first. And uh, right now, Genesis Ultimatum is far and away in the lead.
0: Yes, it is. It, it's definitely got some problems, for sure. Uh, just like the card itself, you know? But, like, the ramp package is so strong. It's like, you know, if, if people start taxing your resources to make it harder to get to Ultimatum, or there's, like, main deck mystical disputes or something, it's like, you can pivot so easily.
1: Mm, main deck mystical dispute is probably the thing that needs to start happening if you're trying to be any other deck right now. Being able to counter both Omnath and Ultimatum for one mana, that seems like a good way to get ahead. You're starting to now win the resource battle a little bit. So I'm in on that card, 100%.
0: Well, it, it also allows you to play more of a tempo game too, right? It's I mean, yes. if you if you spend like a neutralize on an Ultimatum, it doesn't really matter because you're, you're neutral as far as like, you know, your turn three, turn four mana spend. But if you can dispute and play some other threat, then, you know, you're actually taking steps towards getting ahead and winning the game.
1: Yeah, that's a nice step one. I like that as a starting point. And there's definitely a few decks that can put together a nice clock and keep dispute around. Rogues, very good example. I think you could probably do something like that with Mutate and, like, just a ton of creatures. And then (laughs) for Mystical Dispute, you could probably put together a reasonable clock. Yeah. I mean,
0: Mutate, Mutate also goes pretty big. They're just very slow at doing it and are yep. vulnerable to a lot of things. But like I played against a mutate deck where it was like, okay, you know, like you you did like this powerful thing and then my powerful thing was just draw my deck and kill you. Right. But like they were off to a good start and if they had a piece of disruption, it, it could have been different.
1: It sounds like you're just trying to like <laughs> pat them on. Like you tried really hard. You you had a nice run, but here's my ultimatum.
0: Right. GG. Yeah. Well, it was, here's my ultimatum in 20 more spells, but yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I would check out mutate as a starting point. Like I said, the Demir stuff, I don't, I don't even know if it has to be rogues. I like the Seagate village. Right. Stuff is strong. Uh,
0: I can I I, see that. I can
1: see that. I, I like that interaction a lot. I was impressed. And then you can still Seagate into agonizing remorse. Also very, very strong type of resource denial that maybe starts to matter against these decks where you're taking their two best spells. I buy that. So uh, I want to go back to that deck. Like I said, as far as fair things I've done, that setup was the one that felt closest to me to keeping pace with these decks. You just have to have some outs to their really big haymaker turns. And it's it's probably just more counter magic and more mystical disputes is the starting point.
0: Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I wanted to try, but didn't get around to kind of because of the extended downtime and everything was just like Skyclave apparition in general where they don't have a whole lot of interaction in in their decks and being able to use that as a way to both develop your board while also get rid of a threat or like, you know, some big blocker appeals to me to the point where I think that, you know, maybe white black humans could, could get it done, but you're also like locking yourself into attacking on the ground. So I'm not super high on that aspect, but Apparition for sure is definitely one of the cards where it's like this this is, this is good against this archetype, you know, if this is what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, Apparition has impressed me too. Uh, specifically out of the Winota decks, it's been very strong as a way for them to get some interaction in their deck that's jammed with creatures and have another uh, attacker that can trigger Winota. So good call on that card. We were both pretty high on it. Ha- has been meaningful, even if uh, the format has outclassed it in a bunch of other ways.
0: Yeah, and I don't know, I I don't necessarily think that it's all the format's fault, like obviously that is pretty bad, but also building decks with Apparition, it's like, man, all these decks seem like a couple cards short, and Mm. maybe uh, Winota is not, Uh, I mean, it it definitely is not, you can certainly put together a fine Winota deck, and maybe that is just going to be stronger than doing any sort of humans-related stuff, but... I don't think it's like the format's fault that Apparition might not see a lot of play. It's it's just like the lack of actually good white aggressive cards. And just Mm. the fact that attacking on the ground is pretty bad.
1: Yeah, aggressive cards in general are having a hard time right now. And the idea that you can like, I don't know, play a big dumb creature doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever right now. I... I have no interest in slowly reducing your life total over multiple turns. I will kill you in one shot or I'm not going to bother. And that pushes towards like Embercleave being one way to do things. But that probably goes along with Winota as far as the most explosive way you can do this stuff. And none of this sounds like a format I really want to participate in. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's just the reality of the situation. And we have to do our best to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're like resigned and kind of ready to give up. I think there's a little bit more to explore still. And there's a a few more things on my bucket list before I actually just uninstall Arena. But (laughs) I don't know. It's, It's also interesting to me, like, you know, building the ramp deck and trying to tune it and find the best version. And I thought I was like going down a great path, that a lot of people weren't. And then I just, I sent you my list, which I very rarely do. Cause it's like, I don't know, this, this is one that I thought was good and ahead of what everyone else was doing. And then you sent me yours and we're like I don't know, five or 10 cards off.
1: Yeah. A lot of the same ideas. And I, I think like, maybe that's a fine place to move this cast. And I, I also just like want to respond. Resigned is a little much. It's, it's not that I'm like, it's not that I'm over it. I am, I am still interested. I am still hopeful. It just feels like I'm doing the same thing again when I wanted to do something different. And that's hard. That's hard to stomach. Like this has been a, I said, this is the most important rotation in magic's history. And I think I stand by that. Like the last year has been tough. And I really wanted this to turn a new leaf. So it's not even like in the abstract, if this deck just existed, maybe my complaints would be completely different. And I wouldn't even be putting out a negative podcast. I'd just be talking about how cool it is that you can do this Lotus Cobra Genesis ultimatum stuff. I don't think so, but like maybe that's plausible. But coming off of the last year of ramp, 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 I wanted to attack and have combat matter and have creatures be able to stand on their own value as opposed to the value of the card they bring along with them or the combo that they unlock by virtue of being in play i just wanted them to matter for their stats like go back to our discussion of the the rogue nighthawk and like i don't i don't think i ultimately put it on my top 10 list because i'm like how does this creature that's just going to attack and block ever matter and now having played for a bit it's like yeah, I, th- I think I was right. I don't think this creature, despite its ludicrous stats, can matter until this format is about something completely different.
0: So I I have been playing some rogues, and it it has been good, but definitely against non-ramp decks. Right? Yes. Yep. So it, it's kind of awkward, but it's also just like, all right, I have this you know, 6-3 Death Touch Life Linker, and it, two years ago, it would just be, wow, that's game over, you know? And yep. now I'm just like, all right. I have the six three death touch life linker. Uh, how do I win this game? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. They have know? an Omnath three Terra of the
1: Peaks, two Lotus Cobras, Dryad. They have four cards set aside with Escape from the Wilds, and I have to beat them with my six three flying. Lifelink.
0: No, no. I mean, obviously, at that point, I'm very dead. But right. just even even you know, playing against like the the party creature decks or the blue red spells deck I played and stuff like that. It's just like, this should just be lights out. Why, why am I attacking for six life link? And then they attack me back for 10 and like draw five cards or whatever. It's just like this <laughs> magic is so weird compared to where it was. And I, I agree with you. I want, I want something to matter because of its stats or, you know, the fact that it has flying or first strike or is a Dante Vanguard or whatever. Right. And now we have like season hollow blade and it's just like, you know, whatever, I'll, I guess I'll play a four toughness thing, you know, yep. and, or I'll, I'll just take 12 from that card, but gain it all back with Omnath. So who cares?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, point made.
0: Anyway, ramp deck specifically, or I guess not even ramp deck specifically, but like format also helping the ramp decks. How do you feel about the DFCs now? Cause I feel like if I could do the top 10 list over again, I would have a lot of DFCs on that top 10 list.
1: Well, I had them as my number one and two card, so I I am mostly happy with that. The problem is that the black decks can't... They can't compete with what's going on on the ramp side of things. Like, they are the biggest victim of all of this, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, so they're they're attacking on the ground and trying to, like, nickel and dime you out, and it just doesn't matter with all the life gain, so...
1: Nope. So I'm hopeful still at some point Agadeem's Awakening can really matter, because, like, abstractly, I do think it is the most powerful... Of the double face cards, but it has underwhelmed thus far by virtue of format context. Amiria's Call, uh, I've done some like of the Felidar retreat stuff, the Bant retreat stuff, and that deck seems fine. I would certainly have it second fiddle, third fiddle to what's going on on the Omnath side of things, but I've been impressed with Amiria's Call and its versatility of just being your endgame combined with a mana source. Just abstractly, do I think the double face lands change magic? Yeah, I I I still it feels like I lack the tools to present this argument to other people who are sleeping on these cards because it seems too obvious to me. Like you don't have to lose games anymore to not having lands. Why would you consent to being in these positions when you just don't have to? Or it's like a card like Dryad of the Elysian Grove, which is extremely high variance and resource dependent, you get all this flexibility by virtue of, like, well, if I need these drops, I always have them, or I could just not, and I can treat this card like a spell. And a lot of instances, it performs admirably as such. Like I've been impressed with uh, the green one, Turn Timber. What is it? Turn Timber Summoning is
0: what it's called. I wrote it down right. as I wrote it down as symbiosis, but I think that that could be wrong too.
1: No, I I, I think you might be right. That's been great shatter skull smashing has been an all-star for me and people are talking about being underwhelmed with that card i'm just like how how are you playing games that this card isn't impactful for you when you have 20 mana on a bunch of turns
0: like well dude even outside of that right it's like what what is the the aggro decks game plan or like what what are you scared of as the ramp deck right it's like you're not you're not scared of any deck going along with you because you're mostly going to dominate them so it's it's winota it's party it's rogues whatever and you know turn four killing two creatures with this is not that uncommon and obviously it scales super well into the late game and yeah this is one of the cards where i'm just like eh, it seems like slow and clunky and like is this actually gonna do anything and i started with zero in my list and i have four and I, I just don't think it's particularly close and i mean obviously there's like lotus cobra considerations where it like kills that on the cheap or like relatively cheap Yep. But yeah, just having a land that's also just like, no, nah, I'm I'm going to, you know, kill your two best things. Like it's it's just absurd to me. I've cast I've cast that card a ton. I've cast the green card a ton and I I can't, you know, say what you will about the rest of them, right? It's like I cannot imagine playing the ramp deck without four of each of those cards. I just can't.
1: It's it's strange like when is the 3 life lost going to matter in the context of what we're presently doing? It's it's just not it it almost can. not And if it does, I have found plenty of ways to play around it. And, you know, people talk about them being suboptimal with Uro. And yeah, Uro can't put them into play. But like, you know you have Uro in your deck, so you just prioritize playing these ahead of your actual lands and you'll you'll find lands to put in play for Uro. It hasn't been a problem, especially if you are generating enough resources. And that's where I wonder if maybe some of the people who aren't high on these decks are or aren't high in the double face cards are failing a little bit, is that they're not getting themselves into position where they can really take advantage of being just resource flooded. And part of that is Escape to the Wilds, which if you want to talk about the card that benefited the most from rotation that previously existed, to me, it's been Escape. It's been an absolute all-star in every deck I build. And it was what was missing in my first drafts of Red-Green Landfall, too. As soon as I added a bunch of copies of that card to my deck, uh, it's bo- it became it's busted. much Yeah. It became much better, much more consistent in the context of everything going on in this format. You're getting paid on your Omnaths. You're getting paid on your Lotus Cobras. And like I said, you benefit from having these double face cards when you're resource rich, because now you are both flush with mana and choices to use them as your best rewarded for them. So maybe there'll be a land a lot of the time and you'll get a bunch of triggers, but they also just get to be the best creature in your deck, a two for one removal spell, I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I'm fighting this battle with people who aren't high on these cards.
0: So they're not that much worse than just playing a basic. They're just not because especially in the context of this deck, right? Where you don't have, you know, really many like turn one plays, if at all. Like I've seen some with like Gilded Goose or like Spikefield Hazard or whatever, but like for the most part, you play, you play a tapped on turn one. Obviously, you can make the argument of like, oh, I'd rather play like my other DFC tapped instead. Sure. Okay, cool. Like you said, when you're already gaining so much incidental life, it's it's negligible. And then you talk about the interaction with Rada and the fact that playing Dryad allows you to continue going off during your ultimatum turns. Like, you can build the deck where you're just like, all right, I want to hit seven mana and play ultimatum and then you know, kind of stop there. Like that's it. And because of what everyone else is doing in the format, that's not necessarily going to be good enough, especially in the case of mirror matches. And this allows you to ultimatum generate a bunch of mana with like Lotus Cobra and stuff, play escape to the wilds, continue hitting land drops with dryad. If you have Rada, you can make a bunch of land drops from your deck. And it, it turns this deck into a thing that like could maybe be contained into a thing that can't really be contained. And a lot of the reason you're able to do that is because you can play Dryad, kind of like make all your land drops, and then you need a payoff at the top end, and now you just have so many. Because you have Ultimatum, you have Escape, those are both great cards, but you also have the eight DFC lands. And those are just good enough a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if, like this is a sincere question, I wonder if people have experienced Rada plus Dryad when you build your deck or contemplating you're going to have those cards. Like if you're able to put 30 plus lands in your deck, or it doesn't even have to go that far. If you have 29 lands in your deck by virtue of exploiting the double face cards really hard, and even just Rada alone, it doesn't have to be Dryad. But if you combine Dryad into the mix in those scenarios, then you've added another card advantage engine to your deck that I think people are just not appreciating it enough and also filtering the top of your deck to get to these meaningful cards more like playing all these double face cards in combination with the way we've set up our ramp to be dry and focused not to mention dry just like fixing my mana has yeah. mattered so so much like it matters every single game I play
0: currently currently not playing triomes and like maybe that's a mistake and you know we've we've gone back and forth on this and discussed it but it just means that a lot of your lands get to etb untapped which then allows the DFCs to take, you know, the the slots in your deck that occupy the ETP tapped lands. So, yeah, yeah Dryad just kind of like makes everything trivial.
1: Yeah, it's, it seems like a question of building for packages, though. Like, all of this stuff yes. is a package deal. So, yep. if, if you don't have Dryad in your deck and you're like, these double face cards aren't good, okay, yeah, I, I probably agree with you. Or you don't have Rada in your deck and you're like, these double face cards aren't good, eh, maybe that's true. But I think if you build around these cards, you get rewarded for it. So I don't really care what the answer to that question is. I care about like how do you build the best version of this deck. And to me, it's very high land count, never missing a land drop. And to be honest, I was like, okay, look, I've been wrong about a bunch of stuff. I could I could be wrong about this. There's no, there's no reason I can't be wrong about this. So I want to check my biases and do a little research and try and get a feel for playing without these double face lands in my ultimatum decks. And like I've lost some games to missing land drops. I reached spots where I didn't have options. Not to say that I didn't still win a lot of games, because you do. I mean, put Uro, Omnath, and Ultimatum in your deck. You're going to win a lot of games by default, quite frankly. It doesn't matter what the other cards in your deck are. Those cards are going to carry you. So I think they can contribute to a lot of deck building mistakes. But if you're asking me what the optimal way to do this is, it seems very clearly based around Rada Dryad, bunch of lands. And that's how, like, again, the red, green landfall deck that I came up with, that's the genesis. It's like, how do I exploit having so many lands in my deck? What happens when I put these two cards together? And then it spiraled into something else that was, you know, quasi broken and in a different direction. But the basis why I was comfortable saying, oh, my plan is to put two drop, six drop, cast this X spell. The reason I was comfortable saying that was a valid plan, because usually I would laugh you off the face of the earth. You're telling me you're three card, you know, 16 plus mana combo is the way you're going to win the game. But the reason I was into it is because it had these card advantages installed below it. It was able to do the Rada Dryad, never miss a land drop package. It was right. spawned from that. And I think this deck can be spawned from the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see going lower on Rada because it is it's just kind of like a massaging thing. Right where it's like you don't necessarily need it, but in the games where you are being disrupted and they, they are like countering your spells and killing your Cobras and stuff, you you want ways to gain a little bit of card advantage. Or if you're you're like resource light and you need to kind of like beat them down, I mean, like Rada's a solid threat too, but I I would not play Rada without Dryad. Agreed. I, just, I just don't think that that makes a whole lot of sense. So yeah, it, it is very much about the package. And then once you start... I mean, you talked about, like, the, you know, being able to manipulate the top of your deck, and it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, like, you know, make some land drops, crack Fabled Passage, maybe play Escape to the Wilds to clear the top of the deck, and just figuring out, like, when you want to, like, play your Uro, too, just matters mm-hmm. a ton. It's like, okay, the ultimatum's on top. Now I can play Uro and then cast this. Like, all of these things kind of come together to to make it this very, very robust package, and I think your your red-green deck was good but you just get to like cut a piece out of the combo you know yep yeah
1: that's where i I fell ultimately as you ended up with like a worse version of the ultimatum decks which is fine like i still think i learned a lot from that process and if things change i I won't say the b word i'm not gonna say the b word if things were to change for whatever reason you know something weird happens and all the available copies of a card fall off the face of earth (laughs) and arena like say uro maybe uh, maybe then you go back to the red green deck and that's something interesting, but dude,
0: take away Uro. And I still play this deck.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. I, I, again, not wanting to have these conversations, but I, I know, I know. I think if you got rid of Uro, you'd still have a problem on your hands, quite frankly. Well,
0: well, so, so here's the thing is like, you know, we, we get the, the questions that we do every, every week. Right. And, and one of them, uh, was, is it Uro versus the world still? And, The answer to that is kind of yes, because I think that these ramp decks are very strong. However, you're only playing three copies. I I just defaulted to four when I I don't think that you necessarily have to. And I certainly sided them out a lot. And these decks would continue to exist even if Uro didn't exist. So it's like Uro is not necessarily the problem here. Like Uro was enabling... Mm -hmm mid-range mostly, and like also enabling combo decks like Wilderness Reclamation because of the gain life stuff. And it gave you a backup plan. And it's just like, this deck doesn't really need it. It doesn't really care. So you could, you could take away Uro, and it's like, yeah, you, just, you want to play Dryad and Rada anyway, you know? So yeah. who cares? It's not yeah. that big of a deal.
1: I kind of agree with you, which is a scary place to be in, because what do you do if this deck is out of control? I don't know. I I don't have an answer for that. Thankfully, I don't have to.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, (laughs) like I said, I'm not resigned yet. You know, I still I still think that there's a lot of play, even if it's just like, you know, tuning this deck and building it and playing the games. I mean, I'm not sure how much of a lifespan it has in it for me personally, but playing these games is very interesting because you make so many micro decisions.
1: Yeah, it feels almost like a legacy combo deck in that regard where like you have to do everything Purposefully and meaningfully on the lead up turns to get the maximum reward out of it. And also, there's just spots where like you have to play your way out of insane situations. Like I played a game against Green Black Adventures, which honestly impressed me as a way to be like disrupt you and have a good clock. Like they just killed my Cobra a few times. And then Rankle was actually really, really strong in terms of managing like my engine pieces. Uh, and they were just throwing away like sacrificial fodder. Like Love Struck Beast tokens and things like that. And the game was they put they put a really great hinge into play. They probably drew, I don't know, 16 cards off their great henge. I won. I mean, I figured it out. But the the path having to put together that game and figure out how to overcome all these advantages was super interesting. It just uh it's interesting once. It's not something I want to do every single time.
0: So that's that's one of those games that's a prime example, right? Of like if you just Cast Brilliant Ultimatum, or Genesis Ultimatum, and got, you know, like, three creatures, a land, and a spell, that would not be enough to win the game, right? No, like, I can't I, win
1: without Shatter Skull Summoning. Not possible.
0: Yeah, like, you you just, like, have to keep going in, in those situations, I think. Because other standard decks are, like, kind of doing it just on a different axis.
1: Yep. Yeah, and you also get outs when, like... So, obviously, the ideal thing is just pop off and put your deck into play, but if you build your deck in such a fashion that you have these redundant measures and the redundant sources of card advantage, if they are doing a good job of disrupting you, which this person did murderous rider, killing things uh, I think blood chief thirst on top of her ankle. I I just didn't have my pieces. I didn't have my stack of Omnaths and Lotus Cobras. So I had to really fight and claw and, and scrabble together something. Uh, And I think building the deck in the fashion we did allowed me to do so. Also I'll point out too, I think our deck is more contemplative of the reality of where the format will ultimately lie versus like day one. Because if you're just playing like, I don't know, I don't want to disparage any decks, like just random aggressive deck. You play Uro and you play Omnath and you were beating them no matter what you did anywhere else. So it doesn't really matter. But when you start having to win these mirrors and find a way to win these games against people who have done things like killed all of your resources and used Rankle to keep your engines off the board, then you're really going to get paid by building the deck in the fashion that we have.
0: Actually, here's, here's a random question that might have nothing to do with anything, but were you playing best of one or best of three? Three. Okay. Because I I didn't remember seeing the sideboard in the screenshot that you sent me, but...
1: Yeah, I had a a pretty rough sideboard, and I mostly stole yours after we put our list together. I I didn't send you my sideboard because I think it was just like basically some placeholder stuff at that point.
0: Yeah, I I, I started with like, I don't know, like Negate and just these cards that like didn't really matter. It was like Negate very, very quickly became Mystical Dispute, and then... I very, very quickly added a bunch of Elder Gargaroths because that's that's Love another it. thing where it's just like, oh, people are trying to beat you down and you get to stop trying to do your combo thing and you just jam this thing and they lose most of the time. Yep. So I, I like where the sideboard is now and especially for the future. But yeah, it it's it's gonna be interesting the next few days. I'm I'm curious. Like I, I've been paying attention to what lists are getting posted and like you know the things that people are doing and like Top Mythic or whatever. Uh, at least for the stuff that is actually getting shown to us. Uh, And it is interesting. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are really playing this, though.
1: That probably was true. I I didn't do the same research. I I trust you, though. But today, there is some small standard action going on. There's like packs online, maybe? Something like that? Another set of events. Uh, And there were some deck lists from that. And they are infested with math. Okay. infested. And it's what's doing well too. It, it's like very quickly distancing itself from the pack.
0: That's great. And again, kind of like makes me laugh as to like why no one else wanted to write about this card, but whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, that'll, that'll be a mystery. Um, <laughs>
0: Cedric messaged me too. It was just like, Omnath lol. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: this is a fine point for me to bring up. And if it wasn't such inside baseball, I would really call the podcast this week, the following title, Janelle was right. My wife Janelle yeah! looked at Omnath, read the text, looked up at me and said, that card's going to have to be banned. So I mean, okay, right is going to stretch too far. I don't know if it's going to have to be banned, but spot on. It's a very silly card. And I, I guess like redoing my list now, we talked briefly about this. I would have to put it as the number one card in the set after Lotus Cobra, which like we don't do reprints, but it would be Lotus Cobra one, Omnath two, if I redid it now. And then there'd be a stack of double face lands behind that.
0: Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like, I don't, a lot of it has to do with the heuristics we use for how we order and rank the cards. And Omnath is, you know, very clearly just like in in this one archetype, obviously it is popular, will be popular, whatever. But what actually enables Omnath to be in these decks? And like Cobra is certainly part of it, but also I think the DFCs are a big part of it. But maybe that's just not true because people are doing it without them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of do it either way.
0: So yeah, maybe maybe it is number one. But I, either way, man, I mean, I, I have uh, Tangled Florahedron in my deck. I've liked that card a decent amount. Obviously, there are some weird considerations where you're just like strict green source into strict green source, and then you can't you know turn three or turn four Omnath. But like ramping to escape the wilds or getting to play Rada and then make a land drop, stuff like that, I've liked it a lot. And also, it's it's just a land. So like, what the hell? But like, you know, that card's good. Obviously, the Mythics are busted, and, like, I, I kind of said this when when we were first talking about them, where it's just, like, the DFC lands should not be, you know, like, seven mana cards. They just shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, you're saying for, like, format health, you would prefer they have smaller effects.
0: Right. Yeah, because you, then you just, you know, load up your deck with a bunch of mana sources, and then you have payoffs on on having all that mana. And it's just all wrapped up into the same card. And just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me why they would do that.
1: It's weird. And that was certainly the first thing our first reaction to seeing them was essentially that. Like, as soon as we saw Amiria's call, I remember that being the response of, should this really be the top end? It's so hard, though. Like, I feel like I lack appropriate context to evaluate these things because I'm just seeing them in combination with Lotus Cobra being played on turn four. Like yeah. the first the first time the red green landfall deck was played, it was by Corey Baumeister against Ross on versus live. Ross went turn three Omnath, uh, turn four a call plus like some other stuff, and then Corey killed Ross when he played an ancient green warden, blocked his like attacker on that turn, and then drew his deck. But still, like turn four, you had the versatility of both having your land drop to be able to cast your early drops. And then also this huge payoff should you happen to stumble upon a wealth of mana. And that seems like a dangerous spot to be in.
0: The lesson I learned from that story is that people need to play more Shatter Skull Smashings and Spike Field Hazards to kill Lotus Cobra. That's all I learned. Uh
1: that, that is the match I watched where I went to Twitter and was like, kill Lotus Cobra or don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, literally don't bother.
0: Yeah, I, I had an aggro opponent like Mardu. They were like kind of party-ish, I guess. But I, I was like, Cobra into Cobra set up for my next big turn. And they just smashing to me on turn four. I was like, that sucks. That feels yeah. bad. Got him. Yeah, got me good. Did you, uh, did you
1: play Omnath and then win after that?
0: <laughs> I, I definitely won the match. I don't know that I won that game. I might have won that game, but
1: okay.
0: I don't know. I So uh, going back to another thing you said about Rankle, I've been Rankled a decent amount. And I think a lot of the times I've been Rankled, it's when I already like have Omnath in play. And okay. uh, Floralhedrin helps here a little bit too, because it's given me Sacrifice Fodder. Sure. Which has been nice. But it, it feels like if they were doing a little bit better job of containing me, I could see instances where, you know, it's like kill your Cobra, do some other stuff, especially like green-black adventures, right? Where it's like their mana curve is so low, they'd yep. be able to, like, interact while also, you know, make a 1-1 or whatever. And then rankle, kill Omnath, like, make me discard a card. And it's like, then I'm on probably, like, land, escape the wilds, and nothing else. And yep. then I just have to bank on that to get me there. Like, I could I could see those sorts of decks doing a pretty good job of containing me. It, just, it was
1: good. It really was just the mana is horrific though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it just seems like the, the wrinkles that I encountered were like, I'm going to play a bunch of creatures and like not interact with you and then play a wrinkle. And it's just like, I, yeah, I'll discard Uro cause I have a bunch of extra resources and I don't need this thing and I'll sack this one, one and I don't really care. And I think there were some people that clicked like draw a card against me, which like, you know, probably yeah, don't be do doing that. that. Nope. you know, but I it, it was it was at that point where it was just like they couldn't contain my resources and clearly they weren't gonna win with what they had, so they needed to do something else. So maybe it was right for them to do it. But it was like, oh okay, Genesis Ultimatum, we but yeah, wrankle Rankle could be good. Rankle and a bunch of stuff. I could see that.
1: Maybe this is also a spot where there could be some mystical disputes involved where it's just supposed to yeah. be like Blue, black, mid-range. Okay, I got something to build. I, I am interested in this sketch. Well, I, I will the, see what I can put together there. You
0: can you can do a lot of that stuff in Rogues, too. Like, I was really high on Xerath's on in Rogues, and that's for more of, like, a normalized metagame. Mm-hmm. And with the decks that I've been playing against, it it hasn't been very impressive. Like, Ink Eyes is pretty impressive against people playing fair, and, like, no one is playing fair, right? So yep. if if the plan is then, uh, like... Acquisitions expert and Rankle, then we kind of got a stew going, and I I can work with that, you know. And if we're sticking to like the beatdown plan, I do think that Rogues is going to get to a point where Dispute is a main deckable card, which should also help its cause. But mm-hmm. we're from what I've been playing against, we're not there yet. But if you know people are registering for tournaments and they're all playing ramp decks, then that's great. I should just you know be doing that in tournaments and not on ladder.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, well different metagames, obviously, and we'll have to see once the first big tournaments start popping up what does well.
0: It's gonna be interesting, man. I don't I don't think we're gonna see a lot of Felodar retreat, uh, because stuff like that, like everyone else mostly goes over the top of it. And yeah, it gets, I played, it
1: gets outclassed.
0: Yeah, I played against some weird decks that were like Urian Omnath with like Scoot Swarm and Felodar Retreat. And granted I, I lost a game to Scoot Swarm, but That's only because it was like post-sport and they were also disrupting me, you know, but Mm. yeah, for the most part, it's like those things, those things are cute. They're good. They're powerful, but it doesn't compete with the, you know, trying to kill you on your ultimatum turn.
1: Yeah. Going back to like the gripes, if I'm griping about the state of standard magic, it's the ceilings are just too high. Like at some point they close out all the reasonable ways to respond and all this stuff, which sounds really cool, making a bunch of Felidar tokens doing scoot swarm stuff. It, it all sounds beautiful and wonderful, but like the reality of ultimatum lying at the top of the format, or even like Omnath, it, it doesn't have to be ultimatum. it could be Omnath just pushing out these absurd things or even shatter Skull summoning, or excuse me, uh, Nahiri is lithoforming, if that's where you end up. The fact that there are these hard ceilings that just invalidate everything that can happen around it is really the thing that grinds my gears a little bit. It's eating up too much space for creativity, and I would like to reclaim that.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that too. It's like, you know, kill your thing, acquisitions expert, wrinkle you. That would have been a good plan three years ago, and it just isn't the case now. And I don't know. Maybe we just need to just even stop considering that those are options.
1: I Look, next set, yes. It's very clear that we have to stop doing this because that's not what magic is anymore. And maybe this is the other part of the conversation that we never have. Magic's doing better than it ever has. And maybe it's because of this. Like I hate it. I don't like it, but somebody obviously does who's buying all these magic cards. So if that's the case... I'll be a dinosaur. I'll shut up. I'll go play different formats and accept that this is the way magic should look for the benefit of everyone else around me. Just not the sentiment I see though, but I, I shape my reality. I, I have the people I interact with and the people I talk with. And a lot of them have been playing magic the same length of time that I have. So that certainly influences their opinion as well. But if in general, this is the best thing for the game, that's fine. I'll, I'll take my lumps. I'll figure it out. And, uh, do my best i'll come i'll come up with the weird quirky decks on the side i'll become tier 2.5 deck guy that's fine i'm i'm happy going <laughs> into that spot
0: yeah i i'm not i still want to find the best thing but it's just like oh you know blood chief's thirst is very aggressively costed and like it's like who cares
1: <laughs> who cares that is the correct answer
0: uh, they're they're just gonna like draw five cards and make 10 mana like it doesn't matter like obviously you need it, right? Like you need to kill Lotus Cobra or whatever, but it's like, I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, it's like you, you could play shock and dead weight. Like it, it, who cares? It's all replaceable.
1: All right. I think that's about enough belly aching and complaining from me for one week. I, it's time to go to our listeners and take a question. Of course, every week we go to our lovely patrons over in our discord Uh, and ask them for their burning questions and we do our best to get them some type of trinket in reward for their fine service to our podcast. And this week's question comes from VSK. And VSK wants to know, what are your plans for the deck lists that magic.gg will post? Gerald, hit us with that announcement that magic.gg dropped on us.
0: Well, I had to to look up what the hell they were talking about. So Uh, From Dave Humphreys in R&D. Hi, Dave. Starting September 21st, we will begin publishing deck lists that have put together long win streaks at Platinum Rank or higher in MTG Arena's Ranked Play Ladder. The goal is to supplement deck lists from tournament results and social media with additional promising- That's us, us, Jerry. They're talking about us. yep. With additional promising decklists for inspiration. That's why I was like very loud and very highlighted <laughs> when I said that. We will publish these deck lists once each week on the new Decklist hub on magic.gg and plan to increase the publishing frequency in the future. Uh, we'll be publishing lists from standard rank, traditional standard rank, historic, uh, traditional historic. Like we do for Magic Online Leagues, we will be posting an example list for each category of deck that share a minimum of cards, you know, blah, blah, blah. All lists published will have won at least six consecutive matches. And this is kind of where it gets weird. Player information, like your MTG Arena username, will not be associated with these deck lists. If you're concerned about a deck you play being shared this way, you can change a card in your main deck before you reach six or more consecutive match wins. Even swapping to a different basic land version or a new version of another card in your deck will suffice. I, I liked everything up until that.
1: Uh, Yeah. So first thoughts about time. Uh, I mean, the genesis of the Arena Decklist Twitter account, and I guess ev- our eventual name change was just like, nobody's doing this. So looks like it's time for us to do it. And I, I don't want to take any credit for it. It's entirely your idea and your doing. Uh, great idea. You want and, to go from
0: zero to 25,000 followers on Twitter really quick, let me tell you. Just yeah. find find a niche that people desperately, def- desperately want and figure out a way to make it happen because that was the easiest thing I've ever done in my life.
1: Yeah. So there's no question this is something there is a market for. We have proven that. And I am glad that there will be some sharing uh, officially because we capture what we can, but we're reliant on people to come to us and, you know. Some people don't know about us, some people don't like us, and that means we miss things and we don't have access to all of the hottest decks. Where it does get weird, like you said, player information leaving out your arena username, I don't think that's good. I I think you should share people's accomplishments. And I know like getting started in Magic, it mattered a lot to me to see my name in the Magic Online decklist dump.
0: A lot of uh, I, a lot of people have been like my deck list got posted or what you know, yeah, like you know, my cool. my name is there, right?
1: If you don't care about that, like I, I don't know, it's it's nice to be recognized for your achievements. You should always be proud of what you've accomplished. So I, I like sharing names. I'm not really sure what we're trying to do with that. I I guess protect anonymity, but then it's really weird that you go as far, like if we're not sharing the names attached to the deck list anyway it's funny to me that they tell you how to shortcut the system and keep your deck out of postings, which I understand to some extent, like you want to protect your technology. Like you've used a secondary account to prep for a mythic invitational before. So you know, there's value behind secrecy, but it's really hard to think like random deck lists with no name attached to it is going to trigger alarm bells, except in really unique scenarios. So like, the aforementioned Kethis example would be one where it's like, well, if I had that deck ahead of the like Invitational or whatever, whenever that deck broke out, I might have been inclined to try and keep it off the radar. So I, I get it to some extent. It's just a strange thing for them to purposefully address. Like we would have found our own ways to hack the system and people would have been just intentionally losing anyway to protect themselves. So I, I guess it's nice you can find a way to cheat the system and opt out.
0: Yeah, I, I I think that once you are able to just change a basic land to a different picture and not get your deck list posted, then you might as well post the screen name associated with it. Because yeah. I, I think it is mostly positive versus negative. I think people are going to be happy to see it. And it, you're if you don't want to get your deck list published or you don't want people to know what deck you're playing, like you know, maybe you're playing in High Mythic or whatever and you don't want to get counter queued then just do the thing where you change a basic land, you know, and your list won't get published. Right. So I don't know. I I get what they're going for. I just don't think they have to do it twice. And I think that there's a a little bit of a disconnect versus like, you know, what people want. I think they recognize that people might not want to opt into it and they already solved it, but then they took away the benefit of just being like, you know, look, here's, here's proof that I crushed it on ladder this week or whatever.
1: Agree with your assessment. Give us back the names. That's, that's my stance on this particular announcement. And otherwise, everything else seems fine to me. One of the things we talked about when it comes to data and Wizards' decisions around data is we've always made the argument that like this is inescapable you you can't prevent this information from being disseminated at this point because of the nature of our world and our society. So wouldn't you rather, as Wizards of the Coast, take some steps to reclaim it? And it was like when Frank Karsten stopped got getting data. It seemed like a really poor move because Frank was someone you could count on to present data meaningfully and always have like a take as to what this means for the format and how it can move forward. And I don't think it was hurting you to Give frank data, and it was strange when they took it away from him because he was kind of like in their system. So then, data was produced by non-reliable sources who could interpret the data in a way that suited their agenda. And it just makes sense to me to bring more of this back in house. You know, maybe this is the way you deal with the present problem. You you see a deck in uh, this deck dump, and it's not clear to me whether they're going to publish everything representative with six plus wins. But it seems like they just have some creative discretion and they're not really being super clear about it. So they could use that to try and shape some perceptions, which like sounds dirty, but I actually don't hate it at all. I think that's a net positive for them to be able to take some control over the data again.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the the, the whole premise of this is more, more data, I think is good. At least, like maybe they shouldn't be giving us every single thing as far as like, you know, win rates, especially like play and draw or whatever. But like, there have definitely been formats that have stagnated, and if we had more ideas for things that were good against, like Etherworks, Marvel, for example, it's like maybe things would have been different, right? So yeah. I think that this is uh, just like a good amount of data, and I mean Magic Online, especially Standard, like there there aren't a ton of events firing or anything, and people had mostly gotten their info from Twitter and it wasn't just our accounts. It was like following their favorite streamers or watching streams or playing at high mythic themselves. And I, I think that we needed more standard data. So this is a step in the right direction. I I think it took a long time and I don't really know why maybe they're just like, you know, figuring out how they should go about doing it. And I think that this is a solid way of doing it, but yeah, like put our Twitter account on a business, you know, let's go.
1: If this is a good implementation uh, I would like to come back next week and do a standard deck dump. I, I hope there's enough here that we could really mine it and talk about it and have a good time with it. I'd so, love to. To answer VSK's question more directly, uh, that's our first plan. If if they nail this and this is usable and good, we'll come back next week and we'll talk about all the cool stuff going on in standard. And hopefully y'all can prove me wrong. I, I want to be wrong so badly. I, I just want you to look like an idiot when next week rolls around and Aggro decks are everywhere, and the format has done a complete 180, and I get made fun of relentlessly on Twitter. That That's fine. I would happily accept that result, and hopefully analyzing these first deck dumps will be part of the path that leads us there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would be great. I do think that the format has some wiggle room still, and I, I hope that we get to a point where, you know, maybe this is just a deck in the format and not the deck because this is a, a pretty unfun best deck, I think. Yep. But we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to be putting in the work and I'm going to try and help people get there. I feel, I feel like I've basically learned all that I can uh, playing this deck and that's the only value that it has for me, you know?
1: Uh, with you. That's
0: game! That's game!
1: Good luck!